So between season one and season five, I actually, and I'm going to be honest, quite honest with you, I actually got into a bit of trouble and was sentenced to five years. I had never been in trouble prior to the show. I was 16 when I first started. It wasn't until after I did the show where art began, began well, life began to imitate art. I didn't look at it as, oh, this could be a possible career move. I didn't realize it until it was all snatched away from me to where I, I, I realized I could be here right now, but instead I'm here. So when I came home, I just, I, I decided to just go ahead and, and just go ahead and pursue it full time. Go ahead and pursue it full time and leave the streets alone. Hey guys, this is Kobe. And this is Dave. And you're listening to The Wire Stripped, the podcast where we rewatch every episode of HBO's The Wire. And you won't just be hearing from us, uh, you're going to be hearing from some of the cast, some of the crew, some famous fans of The Wire, and we're also going to be hearing some of your messages. Yes. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 10, The Cost. Here's our chat, which we recorded earlier on the streets of London, the hard, rough streets of the South Bank. <laughs> with a nice with a nice beer. It was it was lovely. We had a lovely evening. <laughs> when you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He got the fire and the fury So we are here on Stakeout Yeah With Six hours in (laughs) (laughs) Six hours in with a a variety of the worst food, basically, for Beyond Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, we got ring dings and cheese its and, and uh, Oreos, beer and pizza. Yeah, um, I need. They to never eat the good stuff, do they? They don't. No. We need we need lots of nuts, um, lots of magnesium, zinc, so we want <laughs> yeah. walnuts, bananas. That's what we need. I feel like there's something in this, like the uh, the Kobe Steakhouse diet. I think yeah. yeah, I could bring it to. I could ring up Jamie Oliver. <laughs> yeah, and say Jamie, I know you've worked for schools. <laughs> I know you've tried to improve uh, the quality of people's cooking and now we'll take it to the steakhouse it's very niche yeah but i'm sure there'll be a, there'll be a certain market <laughs> for it these and bananas <laughs> yeah exactly just imagine him sitting in the back seat crying <laughs> as they eat their horrible american fast food uh what do we eat on the steakhouse what don't we eat that's the question this is rigsy he's a uk detective and he's the guy we go to when we want to know the truth behind cop cliches a lot of haribo sandwiches Anything you can grab from the shop on the way in. Usually buy far too much food. Pies. <laughs> Anything you can really eat. Because after about 10 minutes, you start eating. You get what's called the uh, the surveillance belly. Because you sit there and you think, when did I last eat? Oh, 10 minutes ago. Right, I'm going to have a pack of Haribo. 10 minutes later, oh, you know, I think I'll have, uh, I'll have a donut now. <laughs> 10 minutes after that, well, I'll have my sandwich. And then it goes on, really. And then you come out, you come out from surveillance and you've got a big plastic bag full of food wrappers. <laughs> this episode, so we're talking about episode 10, uh, The Cost. And in this episode, a lot happens. And it kind of spirals from the build-up of previous episodes where Orlando's told not to be an idiot. 
and not to chase the money. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I'm going to be an idiot. I'm going to chase the money. <laughs> Orlando is the uh, absolute chief of stupidity <laughs> in this episode. And possibly the whole, the whole series. Yeah. Yeah, I think he might be the Wire's stupidest character. I think I think you're right because he's got yeah. a fairly cushy job, albeit in what is a decrepit, horrible shithole. But all he has <laughs> yeah. to, all he has to do is kind of stay in a bar which he runs, and you know, if you're interested in seeing naked ladies, you get that on tap. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, and no one's really going to bother you because they want you to be clean. And yeah. he goes, "No, I, just, I steady st- paycheck." Yeah, steady paycheck. Yeah. And he goes, "No, no, no, I don't want that. I just want." I gotta connect. Exactly. <laughs> He's obsessed with his connect. And he keeps well, first of all he tells in the previous episodes he's, he brings up to D'Angelo. Yeah. If you've got that kind of connect, just I don't know, force your own connections. Don't try and bring it directly to your to your boss's nephew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna get back to it's, him. It is, yeah. Especially when D'Angelo uh, blurts it out <laughs> over a burger for no reason. Hey uh, <laughs> yeah. Orlando yeah. has this connect. Anyone heard about this connect? They're like tell him tell him not to do that because it's stupid. Um so Orlando, at the start of this episode, Orlando hooks up with his connect, and it turns out it's a cop. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see that coming, but then you... you no, neither know. did I, even though neither both of us have watched this before. <laughs> um, that's what I'm loving about this rewatch. There's so many things that just completely slip out of your memory. Yeah. Like, you remember the big stuff. But no, yeah, I had, I had not remembered this, so I was surprised all over again. Um, and it's a great little moment, because they were very convincing. Oh, lots, absolutely. And I love the end of the scene where uh, Orlando looks in the bag. We don't know what he's looked at. Oh, no. It, but he's <laughs> they give him this I got you look. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah, Beatles yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's, he's the exactly he's the worst person on the on the street side to get to get caught. Yeah, he's the most easy to flip. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he gets flipped within a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like they probably hadn't even brought him his cheeseburger. Yeah. And he was ready to flip. And he was like, yeah, guys, yeah. I'm going to sing like a canary. What <laughs> yeah. do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I don't want to do time. I'm too pretty. Um, yeah, it gets flipped within a second. And all the guys all the guys in command want that by bus. They want to They want to get a big, they yeah. want to get a big cop out, don't they? I love this this ongoing conflict between what uh, command wants and what they they just want their photo ops. Yeah. Uh, they're just they keep trying to kill Daniels's case. Yeah. Um, and they kind of get what they want here. But yeah. I found um, so this kind of leads onto the by bust, which uh, involves Kima going undercover, undercover yeah. with Orlando. I'll be honest. I found a lot of what was happening here a little confusing. I so, felt like it moved a little fast. So what confused you? I don't know. I was like, I got that they were going into it a buy bust yeah. but I didn't quite get who they were meeting or what was happening I just knew that Kimo was suddenly undercover sure. I just realised it brought back to me all the memories from 10 years ago where I was also confused <laughs> yeah, I literally had no idea yeah. what was going on and I didn't know what a buy bust was uh, so this, so in this episode what's happening is yeah explain it to me Kobe I'll explain, explain it, it like I'm 5 EL, EL, ELI 5 um, Kima is they want to go undercover because they flipped Orlando but they want to get some more tangible uh, people involved as well because Orlando effectively is a, is a bit of a is a bit of a no one yeah. is a bit of a no one and they want to reach out and grab the other big people in there Savino is one of the is a minor lieutenant but someone they can definitely get hold of and they think that's going to um, then entice them to flip other, other characters so as, as, as you know Orlando is he becomes a, um, a rat after being, I, I think he was busted. This is Chris Clanton who played Savino. In, a, in like a, a, a small type by bus type thing. Oh, 
Um, he was busted and felt like he could turn on, you know, in order to 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 um be relinquished of the of his charges. He would turn on, you know, the crew who fed him. Unbeknownst to him, that uh, them trying to uh, pull it on the youngest guy in the crew, uh, Savino was the runt, and the runt is always feisty. The 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 runt the runt never lets the the runt never lets anybody get away with anything. Chris Clinton played uh, Savino, and he's he was very quiet. Um, I remember Chris always staying in character. You are now hearing from Damon Gordon, who was the production assistant on this season of The Wire. And he would not break character until we were wrapped for the day. So if, you know, you remember Savino kind of being visceral and quiet, that's how Chris was throughout the day. And it wasn't until he didn't break that character until we wrapped for the day. So they get together. A cop from a different department suddenly has thirty thousand pounds. Thirty thousand dollars, sorry. A cop from a, a cop from a different department has thirty thousand dollars and says, "Let's use that to buy a load of drugs, and we can actually show them that they sell drugs on mass, and we can really kind of break this case." Yeah. Um, even though it's still potentially too early, and that's what potentially happens. Um, Orlando, I don't know why Kim is really there. Um, yeah, it d- doesn't really make sense. I guess she was there just to watch Orlando. Yeah, I guess. To make sure he doesn't drive away. I guess to experience the whole thing firsthand. Yeah. This is it's a heartbreaking scene, right? I mean, this what we're talking about here, this storyline goes from the start and finishes at the at the point where Kima is driving through the the driving through Baltimore to do the drugs deal and Kima has been tracked hopefully by the other the, the other cops mm. and she's kind of saying, "Yeah, I'm on Smith Street." Um, yeah, looking at McDonald's, and but they still don't know where they are because Savina is actually covering the tracks quite well. They're stopping some random alleyway, and Savina goes off to get the mud to supposedly get the drugs. Yeah, and out come these but two. But basically runs away. Yeah, basically yeah. pisses off, and out come two hooded criminals, and they shoot the car. And we don't yeah. actually see the sh- we don't actually see it being happening, but we hear it in through the radio. Yeah, which was quite well done, to be honest. He better not be long, because, see, I don't know where the stash is. And if they're dragging us all over this part of town, you know... What's that? What? Something ain't right. This shit ain't right. Signal 13! Signal 13! Gunshots! Gunshots! Show city line. 1135. Signal 13, Warren. officer down. When they picked up Savino from that liquor store, when Savino saw the the girl who turned out to be Sonia in the back seat, in in Savino's mind, he just okay, it's just two for the price of one. We're gonna go ahead and kill Orlando and then shoot the bitch in the back seat too because she's there. So we being little man, you guys have to make sure that she's shot. You got you got to make sure that she's done to cover my ass. And as well as cover cover theirs, you can't leave it undone. She was she's there. That's that's just the it's just the it's the game. It's, it's it's collateral damage. You're there. You can't leave. You can't leave her there to even have an idea to try to point out maybe your shoes or what what type of distinguished voice you had or something like that. Like you don't you you just don't need that. Savino, Chris Clinton. He takes them back to the alley. This is Micaiah Jones, better known as Little Man. It was in, it was in one of the roughest parts of the city. 
it, it's great though. It was a wonderful night. I mean, it, it was it was an unbelievable night. When I say everybody was on set that night, everybody was on set. The emotion was great. He does the setup. Uh, we were we were staged back on back on some train tracks. When we see them park, we give him time to get out the car. It's it's Low Man and Weebay, myself and Hassan Johnson. He give me the tap. We bop down. We run up on the car and we shoot through the windshield to kill Orlando. Um, we run around the car, open the door to grab the money, realize the shorty in the car, and then I shoot her in the back seat. If you really, really watch it, you'll notice that when you see the guns firing, we actually I emptied the clip the first time and it locks back. Um, so we ran around to the door, you know, but they filmed that separately. So when they cut and we redid it, we did the windshield scene again and I saved one and I ran around to the door and we opened the door to grab the money, realized she did and let it off. Now, I know that you heard the recording on the show. I'm going to tell you, I debated because it wasn't in the script and I didn't do it. But that's one regret that I have with me saving that last show. When I opened that door, I thought about just firing it away, but still in that area so you can see that flash for that extra footage that they would have. But I didn't. And I've always second guessed myself since then. But at the same time, I didn't want to scare her because it wasn't in it. And we opened the door and I actually fire right there. You know, I mean, it's, it's so much insurance stuff on set. But that's one regret that I had. I will say that uh, that was two very long nights. And we and we did what's called the split. So we would come in later and shoot all night and not end until the sun came up, which is really hard when your body is used to shooting daytime. When you When you shoot a scene like that, it kind of your mind and, and when you're exhausted, your mind starts to play tricks on you on what's reality and what's not reality. So the two began to start to mesh together. And I can say for me being right there on set, it was incredibly emotional to 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 see that over and over and over again. This is a person that you eat breakfast with and and you know, you make sure they have their sides and you walk to their trailer every day. And and the fact that her character could possibly die, which means you won't get to see her anymore, kind of, for me, was was heavy on my heart. And, and, I, and I, this is someone who was kind of new into the industry, not really wanting to say goodbye to, you know, your quote unquote family. So it was a really difficult scene to shoot. Then, so obviously we experience it through the eyes of Daniels and McNulty who rushed to the scene. Yeah. Um, I felt like this was very much, this whole setup and what happens is the most, it's the most sort of conventional TV that The Wire gets, isn't sure. it? Like yeah. this is the kind of thing you'd expect to see in a cop show. Yeah. You know, like shootouts and a, <laughs> uh, officer down and uh, suddenly it's like someone's kicking a pin. It's like, damn it, we lost a good officer. Yeah. And all this kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Um, I felt like, and not, it's not really a negative criticism of the show because you know these things do occasionally happen in real life, and that's the that's the best thing about this show is its restraint because this kind of thing is occasional. It hasn't nothing this dramatic has happened in the whole. No, and the drama happens in the judge's office, and it happens in a basement, and it happens. <laughs> you know, that's where the drama happens. Uh, and the paper, just Lester and the paper trail. Yeah. Like, that's the drama of reality. And this stuff is the exception. It's not 
episode by episode, no, case no. by case. Exactly. It's not Miami Vice. And you feel like you really get that payoff when things like this do happen. You feel like there's a kind of a, re- a release that when it does happen. Um, so yeah, she gets she gets taken down, and this is yeah three shots, I think. She yeah, does. this is yeah, it's pretty serious. It's yeah. <laughs> near fatal. Yeah, we won't spoil what happens for anyone who's no, on their first uh, on their first run. We'll allude to the next episodes um, in the next episodes of this, of this podcast, but. This is the last time we see Orlando, which is not a shame. No. <laughs> God bless his stupid soul. <laughs> Kima being shot is such a pivotal scene in season one that pretty much everyone we spoke to wanted to talk about it. So you're going to hear from a few people here. Uh, you're going to hear from Wendell Pierce, who played Bunk. Uh, you're going to hear from Andrew Johnston, who's an academic and podcaster. But first, you're going to hear from Joe Kiley. He's my co-host on the podcast Scheitgeist. I have to say one of the finest moments in season one, and it, it's something that catches me every single time, is the um, the botched drug deal, the, the botched drug buy with, with Kima in the car. And it's it's a total gut punch. Every single time I know it's coming, and every time it's just, it's too much for me. It's It's just, it's the helplessness and the way, actually the way it's shot, um, it, it, briefly goes into like an infrared helicopter view so it it becomes very very real in that moment that was the one time as actors i don't know if it came from the studio but as actors we said david you can't people openly expressed it kima was going to die it was over and we just like no no, you can't, you know, you can't, you know, you can't kill her off. First of all, Sonia is brilliant and she's great. And and we need her. I mean, what a wonderful and interesting woman. What a wonderful and interesting actor. What a wonderful and interesting character. We need all of that. So you cannot kill her off. Uh, and now we understand that David was ready to kill anybody off at any time uh, because that's not how real life goes. And so he's not going to play towards television world, you know, where it's a great character, so they have to go on. Kima's, again, Kima's fascinating because she is, uh, she is the closest we have to a pure hero throughout season one. She seems like she's a fairly young detective. Like she hasn't exactly been doing the job for that long, but she's street smart, you know. She has a CI in Bubbles. Like, she already has a relationship with Bubbles before it all starts. And she seems to see this conflict between police and drug dealers as a noble pursuit. It it seems like she finds genuine value in the busting of criminals. But maybe still a little green, still a little wet behind the ears, has to has to learn from learn sadly uh the cynical approach from McNulty. <laughs> she learns to really hate herself from McNulty more than anything but she's got uh she's got a few really interesting moments and of course the big one is when she jumps into being to doing undercover work that's that naivete on display yeah she can handle it yes she's a badass but she sort of jumps into a situation that she was not actually ready for it. And no one was ready for it. It shouldn't have even happened. I mean, it was so unprepared for. And yeah, it's the luck of the draw that 
they happen to be turning on Orlando at that exact moment in time. But she's that that's this moment of she is the wide eyed um, country girl, if you will, even though she's from the city jumping in. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to save the day. And then she gets shot in a law and order or something. You know, McNulty would have saved the day right before anything terrible happened. But no, it's she wants to be the hero and heroes get killed. So the second storyline I want to chat about is is Wallace. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Wallace. Yeah. So basically in this episode they find out that Wallace, one of the young hoppers, I Wallace or one of the youngins in the in the crew is yeah, Wallace is is going down post uh, Brandon's being mutilated and displayed in front of him like a like a like a hunted deer and it's been going downhill since then. Mm. They they catch they catch wind of this in the wire and McNulty kind of goes Let's bring this guy in because we we know this is someone we can protect and this is someone we can. He sounds like he's ready to sing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So McNulty does a lovely little clever trick where he goes to his house yeah. and uh, stations a couple of beat cops outside yeah. there and uh, asks them to give him a give him a call when Wallace shows up. Yeah. But this I love like McNulty's like ingenuity. Like they're kind of like oh don't want to do this and he's like here have two cases of beer yeah. <laughs> and some cheez its. Like he's ready to go. Like or no, crab cakes or crab something. Cakes like, or something. <laughs> yeah, crab yeah. cakes and Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what it takes it's to, weird, to turn a, a weird cop, combination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to start. I don't want to sit here for hours. You do it, and I'll give you a case of beer. <laughs> yeah, a bit weird. Um, and they, yeah, they find Wallace. Yeah, it's a, but we we um, it kind of happens off off screen, doesn't it? It does like, do. Yeah, we just meet McNulty, who's who's drunk outside the interrogation room, and Wallace is asleep in there, and. McNulty basically expositions us. And says, uh, "Yeah, he told us everything." I wonder. This really confused me. I wonder, did they only have Michael B. Jordan for a certain amount of time? Maybe he was underage when they shot. I'm oh, I don't know. Speculating. He does seem yeah. very young compared to what he looks like now. Yes. If anybody doesn't know, this is the actor who plays Creed yep. in the uh, the new Rocky movies. Um, Apollo Creed's son, and. He's in quite a quite a lot of. Yeah, he's in Fantastic Four. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's in Fantastic it. Four, yeah, yeah. and one of my favourite films of recent times called Chronicle as well. Um, he's a. Oh, was he in Chronicle? Yeah, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, fantastic movie. Yeah, Dane DeHaan and the superhero thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he's in that, and he looks completely different. So in, in yeah. when he's in Hawaii, he, he really is a skinny little kid. But when you see him in Creed, you're like, how's he's both? Done. How is that the same kid? Yeah. How's that the same guy? Um, Wallace is yeah. So Wallace gives up. Stringer Bell, yeah, and they're super happy about it. It's a big deal, as they as they would be, yeah. Because <laughs> he's he's the only tie to Stringer Bell up until now. He's been very very caged. He's been awesome in terms of not being able to, in in terms of being elusive on the wire tap yeah. and on uh, on the page tap as well. So this is a, this is a, this is a big. This is a them. big win yeah. for, for the police. So how long you been slinging? Since I was maybe twelve. How long were you with Barksdale's crew in the low-rises? With D'Angelo? Not long. He came down from the towers like the beginning of the summer. Before that, I worked for Ronnie Moe. D'Angelo ever talked to you about what happened in the 221 building? With Pooh getting shot? How about anything else like that? Like what? Killings, murders. 
You see anything about a girl getting shot in an apartment up on the east side? Nah, D. He was good to me. He alright. But D'Angelo, he was who you called that night when you saw the sticker boy at the Greeks, right? Yeah, but he didn't go up there. It was mostly those tower boys. And Stringer. You said Stringer was in the truck. He called you over. Asked you to point out the stick-up boy. The third storyline I want to talk about is finding the main stash. Yeah, so there's a nice little bit of police work here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And this is where another... This is another. There's a lot of stakeouts happening here. The police, the picket Wallace, that's the stakeout. And, and you've got Sidner and... Is it is it Hulk? Hurt? That's... Uh, uh, it's Herc and Sidnor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's yeah, Sidnor finds Sidnor. <laughs> We're already forgetting the episode. <laughs> no. They're all blurring together. They're all blurred to one. But Sidnor catches a guy on a payphone and rings the guys and said, and rings the guys back in the detail in the basement and says, yeah, there's someone ringing the payphone. They listen to it and, they, and Sidnor then follows him to this innocuous looking house. But the, obviously the police kind of, he, he scopes out and says, yeah, they've got loads of video cameras. There's no phone there. It's like armed to the hilt. This is definitely some something's yeah. going on here. Um, it's the stash house. It's the stash house. It's the main stash house. And they try to keep it uh, under wraps because yeah. they don't want their bosses knowing. Absolutely. Because they'll try and go in and t- take the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I love all this stuff. I find it so interesting, this sort of the um, the fight with upper management. Yeah. And I think it's something that anyone can relate to in any uh, in any business I think it's just a fact of life it's just on a different scale you know there's always going to be conflicts of interest within the same organisation yeah um, because everybody has different motivations you know the um, the brass uh, up top in their their golden towers <laughs> they just want they want statistics down they want um, you know photo ops they, they, they're all public facing yeah. basically and they're answering to their own to the politicians yeah absolutely basically. And, and, the mayor, the, yeah. And, the, and the lieutenants and the sergeants they're just trying to get the work done for yeah. the most case and they're being you know their their long term work is, is suffering they're trying to be good police they've got a deadline yeah the way that I portray Burrell and the way that I see Burrell is two sides this is Frankie Faison who plays Deputy Commissioner Burrell in season one of The Wire one side is the Frankie Faison side and the other side is the Wire side with the creators and the producers and writers. Now, from my side, it's simple because I can say, well, yeah, Burrell, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. It's stupid to be caught up in this or to be caught up in that. Dope on the table is not necessarily the the right answer. But from the Burrell side with the co- the producers and writers, it's like, it's no question. It's like, no, put the dope on the table, let's get those stats, and then we can carry on, you know, with life the way it should be, because without those things, we are nothing. You have to offer people hope, you know, for the newspapers and for the interviews and all that stuff, they gotta see something positive. And if you got this dope on the table, it shows that law enforcement is going out doing their jobs. 
To get your new wireless phone plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash save. That's mintmobile.com slash save. Hey guys, my name is Amir and I live in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And I first heard about The Wire in 2015 when one of my Facebook friends kept posting about the show and kept saying it's the best show in the world so I thought to give it a try and since then it's my favorite show of all time and after that I have recommended it to so many people that even I could not remember and it's uh, one of the best show that I have ever seen and that was a voicemail left to us on our burner phone Yes, you can get in contact with us on our burner phone using the voice memo from WhatsApp, which means it's free from anywhere in the world. Just head to our Facebook and Twitter page to get all the details. Yeah, when you're leaving us a message, just let us know your name, your location, uh, and uh, your Twitter account, if you have one. This week, uh, we still want to know, what is your favourite quote from Season 1 of The Wire? Yeah, and we'll play the best messages out in the next episode. There's one more storyline I want to kind of touch on before we kind of discuss other points. But we have a fantastic scene where uh, Omar meets. This kind of builds up, and Omar's Omar's still snitching, and it brings it comes to a case where Omar says, well, "I'm going to wear a white up, and I'm going to meet Stringer Bell." Oh, the parlay! Yeah, the parlay. We need to we need to kind of call things on both sides because it's got too much. In the previous yeah. episodes, um, was this the previous episode where... Yeah, Barksdale got, got shot yeah. by Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, no, he didn't get shot. He, he got, almost got shot. He got shot, at, got yeah. shot in the foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, got, it was too close. And Omar got shot. Yeah. yeah. And Omar got shot and he yeah. needs some help from the from the police. And they say, well, you know, you have a chat with, with Stringer Bell in public and try and see what you can get. And Where were they? It looked like sort of like Baltimore, sort of uh, Disneyland. It was, yes. Yeah, some, yeah. some weird kind of fountains, and <laughs> yeah. there wasn't Mickey Mouse in the background. <laughs> um, but that was such a cool scene. With those two together, yeah. And Stringer Bell is super, super cagey there. Yeah. Uh, not expressing anything. At, at one point, Omar says, "Yeah, so what about Barksdale?" And Stringer says, "I don't know who this Mister Barksdale is, but the gentleman I'm talking about says yeah. such and such." He's too smooth. He's too. He's yeah. too too cool for the yeah. <laughs> for, for Omar. And I like the little prop Joe cameo. Yeah, as well. You know, yeah, you've got to have a third go between. Absolutely. And I like that he just kind of introduces himself. Hey, I'm prop Joe. How's it going? Okay, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this nigga coming on what, man? Said he would if I guaranteed a parlay, and I'm here on it. Of course, he said y'all will be paying my fee rather than his own self. Your fee? I'm doing like one of the marriage counselors. Charged by the hour to tell some fool he need to bring some flowers home. Then charge another hour telling the bitch he ought to suck some cock every little once in a while. You know, keep a marriage strong like that. Speaking of cocksuckers. Don't believe we met. Proposition Joe. You ever steal from me, I kill your whole family. Alright. Y'all both feel on my guarantee, so respect that shit and say what you feel. I'm up out of here. And of course we check in with Bubbles, who's yeah. living clean and clear. He's so it's three days into <laughs> into his detox. Yeah. Into his Just good going. Cold turkey. Yeah, so he's sitting on a bench looking around. Yeah. I liked the scene I liked the, the first scene with Bubs because he's 
he's it reminded me of his line from a few episodes back with McNulty you know there's a thin line between heaven and here yeah yeah and yeah. he's literally on that line because he's seeing kids playing he's seeing this idyllic um, suburban life and then literally on the other side somebody passes him and goes oh hey bubs <laughs> and there's like drug dealers and uh, junkies hanging around so it's a stark reminder to bubs that he's you know he hasn't quite transitioned yet no. and the temptation is still there someone who's been addicted to heroin for a while can stop they can go through uh, a detox as we call it and they can stop using this is david nutt he's a psychiatrist and a neuropsychopharmacologist just got there but most importantly, he's an expert on drugs, basically, and how they affect the body. And and after that, you know, they will start eating better. Uh, you look at Bubbles, you know, so he's been a, he's been using heroin for years. He's wasted away because heroin suppresses your appetite, so, and you don't have any money to buy food anyway. So then he, he detoxes, he goes to Narcotics Anonymous, he comes clean for a few days, and then life turns around. You know, he's, he's through the withdrawal phase. He's looking forward to doing things. You know, he's going to eat better. He can... Escape from the immediate, um, what would you, would you call it, the immediate clamp of the heroin addiction. But does it ever go? And of course, it never goes for two reasons. It never goes because you can always remember those great trips. They're always there. Those always saying, "Oh, it was so good." You know, you know, you know. Maybe you know. Uh, it's always pulling you. There's always a pull. And then there's the push when life gets shitty and you've got nothing else. Then oh hell, you know. Let's just you know. It won't hurt. Just once. Just once more. And of course, once you've just used once more, then, well, it's just once more. And after three or four once more, you suddenly you've discovered you're back using daily. But after three days, he's looking, he is looking a lot better. Yeah, he's cleaned up. He cleans up well. Yeah. And I don't know, are disappearing. I don't know what happens after three days on detox, but um, my only experience prior to seeing Bubs in the wire was, was Renton in Trainspotting. Oh, yeah. Trying to detox yeah. before he puts two two tablets up his bottom I was afraid you <laughs> yes and we should talk here that Kim and Bubs have a little um, have a little chat and she sees that he's cleaning up and says well I'm going to help you out I'm going to give you 200 I'm going to give you 200 bucks just stay tight and I'll I'll be there for you that's a beautiful scene I yeah think. I thought it was really lovely and that, and that shows it's not just a criminal informant snitch thing it's like Kim actually really cares about him yeah he's her friend yeah yeah. Um, and he's been good to her oh absolutely oh, yeah, they've been good to each other yeah yeah um, there was one. There was one moment I really identified with here. Um, there's a scene with D'Angelo and his and his uh, and his baby mama and his baby. Yeah. And she's basically listing off all the things that she needs money for, like all the things the baby needs. We need an extra room and a bigger house, and we need a crib. Uh, and like he opens the fridge, and there's a toy truck in there. And like this really just res- resonated with as me a, as an impending father. As yeah. We, as we record this, so close. We're like weeks away, and I'm like. Yeah, I this I got flashbacks to being in mother care for four hours, just being like, <laughs> yeah, with this and this and this, and just everything costs so much money, and you you need things you don't even know about. And I felt like I felt <laughs> just related with D'Angelo's blank expression during this scene. He did not. He did not give a shit, did he? No, he didn't. And which I do. I did just to be clear. I do give yeah, a shit. Good. Uh, I'm not the the sort of D'Angelo. Kathy, if you're, type. if you're yeah. listening, he does give yeah. a shit. <laughs> So I choose to tell you. And then he walks out um, while she's while she's mid conversation. I know. Yeah. Really, really nasty. <laughs> um, and it's really cool here when we do get Wallace. It's not just McNulty taking care of him. Daniels takes him really under under his wings as well. Yeah, I loved all this stuff. I yeah. thought it was really it's really sweet. Like Daniels, Daniels has a really sort of fatherly nurturing side. Yeah. Doesn't he? And you just want to see. I just want to see Wallace 
succeed do well. and be okay and do well and go to school and have a happy life, yeah. please, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> it deserves, it's just a good kid. I know. Um, and that's what D'Angelo wants as well. It's what Daniels wants. Everyone wants this kid to succeed. But the bloody cops can't even afford a hotel room for him for a night. Yeah, good oh. God. Yeah, because he's 16. I know, yeah. What's it, how, what difference does that make? There's not enough money. Tip, tip the cops, people. I think that's it, really, for this. Well, from my point of view, I mean, there's another one scene we see um, Prez comes out of the out of the basement yeah. for the first time, but that's just picking up trash outside the. Oh yeah, do you want to mention? Yeah, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So when yeah, when they find the main stash, um, obviously they start doing some digging around. Yeah. And digging through the trash. Digging through the trash. So yeah, yeah they get Prez comes out of the basement and plays plays a binman. Yeah. Plays a garbage man. Very convincingly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was excellent as the bin man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then he's back in his element when they bring all the trash back to the back to the table, back to the desk. He loves like sifting through it. <laughs> yeah, he loves that. He loves paperwork and sifting through the trash. Yeah, yeah. dude. He's really found his calling, hasn't he? He has done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, press. Uh, one thing I had wished watching this episode was I wish the opening quote had been Sidnor's line when they're on the stakeout in the van, where he says to Carp cheese puffs and fucking ring dings because <laughs> <laughs> if you write that down which I did yeah. <laughs> it looks amazing <laughs> so I think they missed the trick there and the what the, the opening quote was and then he dropped the bracelets yes that Greg's. was good yeah yeah it's a cool little story though cheese puffs and fucking ring dings <laughs> I don't know what ring dings are I don't know either but I want to try them if uh, anyone's listening out there can send us ring dings um, I'll at least look at them <laughs> and I will at least eat them. You will eat, I you promise will eat them. I will eat them. Cheese <laughs> puffs and fucking ring dings. Thanks, guys. That's episode 10 done with. Uh, please join us next week where we'll be talking about and watching season one, episode 11, The Hunt. And while you wait, if you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and just leaving us a quick review, it really, really helps us out. And we do read them, and we do appreciate everyone who's left one so far. Yes, and what we also read are the messages that you send us. If you want to send us a message, head to Facebook or Twitter and get in touch with us via at The Wire Stripped on both of us accounts. Also, we've had some fantastic emails from you guys. If you want to email us, we are burner at thewirestripped.com. Thank you to everybody who contributed to this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to Tom, of course, as always, um, the unsung hero of the Wirestrip team. And thanks to Izzy Lawrence. Uh, she did the lovely logo, which you can see on your phone, and wherever you're looking at things. Yeah, it, uh, that's why. That's how you found us. You found a splendid logo on iTunes, and you click the button, and that's why you're here, I guess. <laughs> Is that why you're here? Let us know <laughs> at uh, Facebook or Twitter. And this is how we get into an, uh, some sort of time loop. <laughs> we just plug things over and over again. We're in a plug loop. Get us out of the plug loop. And last but not least, thanks to Song by Song podcast guys, Martin and Sam, for their version of Way Down in the Hole, which you can listen to, which you're listening to right now. And you can listen to the full thing. If you head to our bonus episode from a while ago where Kobe interviewed the two guys about how they made it. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Um, Okay, this is unusable or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What am I talking about?